1: Tap the banner to go to monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template.
2: No judgment. Beware the Redwood Bureau, a secret organization which captures and researches creatures and objects that defy explanation. Their reckless procedures have led to countless innocent lives lost. I am Agent Conroy. I worked for the Redwood Bureau, but I have escaped them to leak their reports to the unsuspecting public. You have the right to know. Redwood Bureau Phenomenon 0024 Catacombs. Report 0024 initiated. It was the first question I asked a co-worker concerning Redwood Bureau phenomena. I'd asked the agent who showed me around the facility which phenomenon affected them the most. She told me 0024, code word catacombs. The very infamous catacombs under Paris are apparently a phenomenon themselves, a place where untold numbers of people have been forgotten by the world above, lost to both time and memory after losing themselves in the labyrinthian tunnels. This agent had a deep fear of dark, enclosed spaces. Imagining myself desperate to escape the catacombs, I assumed anyone would quickly develop such a fear of that situation. But after she showed me this report, I understood exactly why the Paris catacombs were to be feared. The report contained a letter written by a survivor of a preternatural encounter within the catacombs. However, the status of survivor did not last long for this young man. He would later be seen walking back into the catacombs alone, never to be seen again. Why would he go back there? I would always wondered. 0024 is enigmatic. Though it is a place of death, Catacombs is a single entity, and it is very much alive.
1: Stop! This is the Empire of Death. My friend Trevor scoffed as the tour guide translated the French words above the doorway. He got several backwards glances and funny looks from the other people in the group. People who knew the importance of the place that we were about to enter. Trevor and I were just stupid kids, on a senior trip abroad with the rest of our class. Yet even I didn't join in with his cavalier disregard of the message that was displayed. It was one thing to mess around in the halls of a school, it was another entirely to mess around in the largest mass grave in the world. When I had first learned that our senior trip would be to Paris, my initial thought had been that maybe I would finally get up the nerve to ask out Katie Miller. What more of a romantic place to do so than the Eiffel Tower, after all? Paris was the city of love, and my hormonal teenage self thought that it would be the perfect place to finally conquer my fears. Little did I know that I had no idea what the definition of fear truly was. We hadn't yet made it to the Eiffel Tower. Our first tour had been here. the catacombs. The tour guide began to move forward, followed closely by our teacher, Mr. Levine. The other chaperone for the trip, Miss Klein, took up the rear. I guess they were there in case any of us decided to get rowdy, even if we all knew that the only actual rowdy one among us was Trevor. He was the class clown, the one who always did outlandish things just to get a laugh out of everyone. It had stopped being funny a long time ago, and now most people just saw him as annoying, Unfortunately for me, he had been my best friend since daycare. So we were often lumped together in judgment, even if I was really nothing like him. Upon entering the catacombs, not even Trevor was foolish enough to make a sound. For a few moments, we all just stood there and took in what we were seeing. The Paris catacombs are just like I said, the largest mass grave in all of the world. I'm not talking about a bunch of headstones either. No, they're much more disturbing than that. The catacombs are a series of tunnels that run for miles underneath the capital of France. They had been constructed after the graveyards of the city began to overflow. So back then, the people had decided that all of the remains needed to be moved somewhere else. Except, rather than fill the tunnels with the bones, instead the bones were made into the tunnels themselves. Miles and miles of walls, made entirely out of human skulls and other remains. Over six million people were buried here, and for a fee, you could go down and gawk at them all. As I looked around, I couldn't help it as my skin began to crawl. The hundreds of skulls that line this entranceway seemed to look back at me, their empty eye sockets tracing my body and then delving deeper into my very soul. It should be said that I had quite the overactive imagination back then, but as I looked around to the rest of my class, I could see that most of them obviously felt the same way. What had begun as a casual class tour had quickly become a reality check. It wasn't every day you came face to face with death, especially not on a scale such as this. The tour guide continued, unperturbed. No doubt he had been down here hundreds if not thousands of times. Yet, I couldn't help but wonder if he had felt the same way as I did when he first went down there. Maybe he still felt it the countless eyes watching him, the shiver down his back. If he did, he sure didn't show it. We dutifully followed the guide, making sure to stick as close to the rest of our class as we could. We had been warned before entering that, although tours were often run throughout the catacombs, there were still many parts of it that were off-limits to the public. In addition, we were also warned that if we were to somehow get lost, there was a decent chance that we would never see the light of day again. To kids like us, and other people who didn't know the way around, the catacombs were a labyrinth. Countless people had been lost over the years, those who went in search of exploration or adventure. Now, nothing but another one of the millions that called these tunnels their final resting place. It didn't take long for Trevor to start his antics up again. He would point to a skull and announce that the fella had probably been truly ugly in life with a head shaped like that or he would sneak up to the unsuspecting members of the group and try to scare them.
2: Hey, Trevor?
1: I didn't join in, of course, I knew better. But as always, that didn't keep me from being lumped in with him. There was a shout from Mr. Levine as he told me to go and stop Trevor from being such an ass. Can you go tell your friend to knock it off so we can have a school field trip where people actually learn
2: something? Thank you in advance. Okay, class?
1: I guess he realized that I had the highest chance of reigning Trevor in, even though I had barely been able to do so throughout our friendship. I gave it a try anyway, I went up to Trevor and told him to cool it, to have some respect for the dead.
0: I'm just trying to lighten the mood, man, I mean, come on, this is a field trip, not a no fun zone, right?
1: I could tell from that reaction that he was just going to keep doing what he wanted, so I sighed and moved up a bit in the group. Hoping that I could ignore him and just focus on the tour. I was surprised to find that I was standing next to Miss Klein. Evidently, she had wanted to position herself to hear the guide better as well. I could still hear Trevor messing around with people, but I did what I had intended and tried my best to ignore him. Wasn't my job to babysit him after all. If Levine was that bothered, then he could do it. Finally, I managed to focus on the tour. The guide told us that since the catacombs had been constructed, a lot of different and interesting things had happened inside of them. Back in the 1700s, people had held parties down here. Others had expanded their homes downward, creating wine cellars that laid in the catacombs themselves. More recently, an entire movie theater had been constructed. Some had tried to put a stop to such things, especially after a series of cave-ins from the city streets above. No one wanted people to get crushed as they were fooling around down here. Still, I had a hard time believing that it had worked. A lot of folks have a morbid fascination with death. Suddenly, Trevor's comments from earlier didn't seem so disrespectful to the dead, not compared to what else I was hearing. I felt a pull on the sleeve of my shirt, and Trevor's voice silently calling my name. Brandon! Sighing, I turned to see what he wanted. The fact that I had gotten some peace was a wonder. I just hoped that it would last longer.
0: I've got something to show
1: you. Trevor pulled me off to the side as the group continued forward. Come here. You've got to see this. Looking down into his cupped hands, I felt my face pale and my blood run cold. Check it out, man. Look what I got. All I could manage was a stammer asking him how he had gotten it. I don't know, it, it was loose,
0: but this will make a great souvenir.
1: In Trevor's hands was the brown bone and empty eyes of a human skull. I was completely flabbergasted. Trevor had done some stupid things over the years, but this was definitely a new low. In a hushed, angry whisper, I told him that he needed to put it back. <laughs> yeah, right, dude. I'm keeping this, I'm taking this back to the States. I looked at him as if he had just grown another head, yet he didn't waver. So instead, I grabbed the skull from his hands and began walking back the way we had come. I could still hear the voice of the tour guide just down the tunnel, and the fact that no one had stopped me from going told me that Miss Klein hadn't gone back to her post at the rear of the class. If she hadn't left at all, maybe Trevor wouldn't have been able to double back and grab a damn skull. Trevor gave out a small shriek of alarm and began following me back down the tunnel.
0: Hey man, give me my skull back right now, I found that."
1: I rounded on him with a quiet fury on my lips and told him that he was being a childish moron. He flinched at that. Throughout the years, I had never talked to him like that. While I had never gone along with his antics, I had also never said anything to dissuade him. Maybe if I would have, then he wouldn't have done something so stupid. The wounded look on his face almost made me relent, but my anger at the situation was stronger. Everything that he had done before had been forgivable but this was not. Quickly, Trevor went from demanding the skull back to begging me not to tell Mr. Levine and Miss Klein. He said that he was sorry and that he would never do such a stupid thing again. I had heard the words before, but this time it sounded like he truly meant them. Of course, I had no intentions of telling anyone anyway. We were about to graduate and something like this could mean that he got held back or worse. It was enough for me to simply put the skull back and then put all of this behind us. I asked Trevor where he had gotten it, even as I began to search around the tunnel of skulls for a spot where one was missing. The light bulbs overhead buzzed faintly, and I was eternally grateful that the Tor portion of the catacombs had them. There were undoubtedly sections that were in complete darkness, but I had no intention of finding out for sure. Trevor and I looked for ten minutes, not finding the area from which he had taken the skull, I was constantly aware of the whispered voices of the tour guide and the rest of our group coming from down the tunnel. I thanked God that the acoustics down here carried that far. It meant that we would be able to find the group when we were done without getting lost. Another five minutes and we still couldn't find the spot. I was growing concerned at that point. I knew that the longer we looked, the more chance we had of losing the group. I was also beginning to become increasingly uncomfortable. I no longer had a whole group of other teenagers with me. Now it was just Trevor and I, surrounded by thousands of skulls. I could still feel their sightless gazes pouring over me. Finally, I had enough. I sat the skull down on the ground, hoping that someone would come along thinking that it had fallen out, not connecting it to our tour group. Then I grabbed Trevor and we began walking back toward the group. I could still hear them, a faint whisper. Except it sounded as if all of them were talking at once. Maybe some type of group participation? It didn't matter. As long as they were talking, we could find them. The lights overhead began to flicker at one point, sending a jolt of fear through my body and spurring me on to move faster. I was aware of Trevor walking beside me. I was aware of him speeding up as I did, eager to just get back. I followed the whispered voices through the winding tunnels, through twists and turns my fear mounting with every step. The whispers weren't getting any closer. Another twist, another turn, my heart racing, mine and Trevor's steps moving as one. He hadn't spoken the entire way. Why, Trevor could never shut up. i had felt him walking with me, hadn't I? I turned slowly, even knowing as I did what I would find. Trevor wasn't there. I had no idea when I had lost him. In truth, I had been basking in the fact that he was finally quiet for a change, no doubt because of my outburst from earlier. But if he wasn't there, then whose footsteps had I been hearing next to mine? As I took a step back toward the way I had come, I got my answer. My footfall on the ground echoed off the skulls, down those grisly tunnels and into the dim light beyond. A laugh bubbled to my lips unbidden great acoustics indeed. I had thought that the whispers of the group weren't far off, but judging by how far things echoed down here, I was sorely mistaken. I took a step backward, sending another echo through the catacombs as if the skulls lining the walls were screaming at me in anger for having disturbed their slumber. I ran my hands through my hair, looking around myself, wondering how the hell this had happened. The bones in the walls had no answer for me. They remained silent, but watching. Always watching. It wasn't long before I came to a sickening realization. Something that I barely wanted to admit to myself, but which I knew was true. I was lost within the catacombs. Furthermore, Trevor was missing. My friend who I had known since we were four years old. The friend that I had snapped at. Maybe he had gone off. Too wounded by what I had said to continue on with me. I didn't know for sure. The only thing that I did know was that I had to find him, that, or find the group first so that we could all go look for him together. My only solace was that I was still in a lit part of the catacombs, which meant that people came through here. Maybe I could find another group if I couldn't find my own. I could still hear the whispers all around me, so faint, yet it gave me hope. The voices meant people, after all. Resigned to my current fate, I began to make my way back in the direction that I had come. I knew that Trevor was back there somewhere, alone, just as I was, yet as I walked, my footsteps echoing the entire way, I realized that neither of us were alone. Not down here, not with them watching. The sound of my footsteps echoing through the tunnel shook my bones like great peals of thunder, or perhaps it was the sound of my ever-increasing heartbeat. I had been walking through the catacombs for almost 30 minutes, judging by my cell phone. Of course, under here there was no signal to speak of, so it was nothing more than a glorified clock at this point. The fluorescent lights buzzed overhead, and the whispers from who knew where were ever present. All in all, I felt as if I were in some kind of sick horror movie, as if by walking back into the catacombs with Trevor, I had sealed my fate and resigned what was left of my probably short life. Again, I've always had a really good imagination, but down here, surrounded by these sightless yet watching eyes, I finally understood what true fear was. This wasn't like watching a movie safely protected by a screen. It was all around me, constricting me like a coiling serpent. Still, I pressed on, because the alternative would have been to just stay where I was. I had no idea when another tour would come through. For all I knew, there wouldn't be one for hours or even days. No. I couldn't stay still. I had to find Trevor or someone else who could help me. The walls around me felt angry. I couldn't really explain it, but it almost felt like the dead down here were irritated. I couldn't blame them, of course. With the way that sound traveled down here and how often tours came through, there was probably precious little time when there wasn't some sort of sound or another. Not exactly the best kind of conditions for an eternal rest. It had been bad enough that these bones had already been disturbed once, back when they were moved and constructed into the catacombs. Now people would come down here and stare at them, eager to see death up close or to learn the history of this place. Either way, it meant that the people down here could never truly be at peace, and they were angry about it. Again, I'm not positive how I knew all of that, but down there in the catacombs with nothing but the skulls for company, It was almost as if they were talking to me. It was as if the whispers around me were getting into my head, wiggling through my brain like worms, voicing the displeasure of the millions of souls that called this place their final rest, yet not being able to truly rest at all. Suddenly, I was no longer sure that the whispers were coming from my distant group or another. I knew deep in my heart, even as it dropped in my stomach, that the whispers were being directed at me. No peace. I quickened my steps, hoping that the sound of my footfalls in the catacombs would drown out the whispered voices which had now become so very clear.
2: No peace, no
1: slumber.
0: This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. What is horror to you? Monsters? Murder? Mystery? Well if human monsters are your thing, June's Journey is the game for you, albeit in a more lighthearted tone. on iOS and Android.
2: The rest.
1: My heart was thundering in my chest, and without even realizing, I was running. I sprinted down the tunnels, the skulls watching me the whole way. They passed by me in blurs, yet I could feel their gaze tracking me. I sprinted around one corner, then another. I was no longer thinking. The only thing that ruled my body now was fear. Although I'm reluctant to say it, in that moment, Trevor just didn't matter. All that mattered was getting away from the whispers, from the voices, All that mattered was getting out of here. The air was suffocating, and although I gasped in large lungfuls of it as I ran, it was as if I couldn't breathe at all. All of a sudden, the fluorescent lights above me weren't enough. They were dim, barely managing to push away the shadows that lurked in the corners. This was a place of death, and I did not belong here. My body, mind, and soul ached for the cleansing sun above. I needed to see its light, feel its warmth but I was trapped in this dungeon of lost and forgotten souls. As I rounded another corner, I was sure that my lungs would explode or that I would lose what was left of my rapidly deteriorating mind. It was as if I had been stripped of all sense of self, as if I had been reduced to my bare, base self. That ancient, primal part of me was telling me to run, to flee, to get away. I screamed when I crashed into the man. I went down in a tumble of limbs, my skull colliding with one from the walls and making me see stars. The voices and the whispers died, and the light above me once again batted the darkness away. Yet, I could still feel it in my heart, even as I got to my feet, my head ringing with pain. The man that I had crashed into laid sprawled on the floor nearby. I had been running so fast, so it was possible that I had knocked him out with the force with which I had been sprinting down the catacombs. Still, I could feel the relief in my chest as if a great weight was being lifted away. I wasn't alone anymore, even though I had never truly been in the first place. Now, though, I had found another life in this place of death. It was like the breath of fresh air that I had so desperately been dashing towards. I took a few tentative steps toward the man on the floor. My head still ringing. He might have needed some help up. From what I could tell, he looked like a middle-aged man, probably in his late 40s or early 50s. I also couldn't help but shake a feeling of familiarity, but in the dimness of the catacombs, I couldn't figure out why. As I got closer to the man, I began to hear something. He hadn't been knocked out after all, even though he hadn't moved a muscle since our collision. He was whispering. I couldn't make out the words, so I stepped closer, thinking that maybe he was in some type of pain. If I had hurt him badly, then we might be in trouble. He was the only other person that I had found, and he was my only chance of getting out of here. I barely spared a thought to why he might have been alone down in the catacombs. Maybe my mind, in an effort to rationalize my situation, had just decided he was another tour guide, or a frequent visitor of the catacombs, someone who had every right and business to be wandering down those grisly tunnels alone. It didn't matter to me so long as he could help me find my way out of here. Maybe I could regroup with the rest of my class and we could go back and find Trevor, or find someone that could search for him. Whatever my reasoning, I approached the man as if he were some kind of savior, and as I did so, I was finally able to hear what he was whispering. No peace.
2: No slumber. No rest.
1: My sense of relief fell away as if captured by a black hole. In its place came a quiet, Powerful dread. I took a step back, even as the man on the floor began to stir. I felt my body hit the far wall, felt the skulls press into my back. The man rose to his feet as if he didn't know how to use them. He lurched and shuffled like a newborn baby, whispering the entire time No peace,
2: no slumber,
1: no rest. The fear that I had felt before was nothing compared to this, yet I couldn't bring myself to move. I couldn't bring myself to scream. I was frozen, watching as the man finally reached his full height. Slowly, he turned toward me. I had thought he was a middle-aged man, and he was, at least at first. In the few seconds that it took my screaming mind to take in his appearance, it changed. Wrinkles formed on his face and the hair on his head began leaching from dark to white. He was aging right in front of me, becoming older in mere seconds yet his mouth still moved, his deep brown eyes fixed on me as if I were some kind of lifeline, as if I could save him. Those eyes were familiar.
2: No peace, no slumber, no rest.
1: There was a thick layer of dust over his clothing, as if he had been trapped down here for decades. Yet under it, I could just barely make out a crest that I knew well. After all, I was wearing the same shirt everyone in my group had been. It bore the crest of our school. Trevor? My voice sounded strange, alien. Trevor took a step forward. Because now I was sure that this man was Trevor, I could see it under the wrinkled elderly features of his face. No peace, no slumber, no rest. He repeated it like a mantra, and it penetrated my mind like a hammer over and over again. Then the whispers began once more. They increased with each shuffling step that my friend took towards me until i could finally make out the message that they had for me
2: no peace no slumber no rest disturbed too much too long a price to pay for them to learn a skull for a skull
1: The whispers faded and I watched in abject horror as Trevor took one final shuffling step forward. There was such fear in his eyes as I have never seen since. I imagine that they mirrored my own. Yet, in an instant, those eyes were sunken in his skull and in the next, they were gone. I watched as Trevor's skin began to give way to bone. I watched as his clothes disintegrated. I watched as his bones began to fade to dust. Then, he was falling. The last thing I remember from that day was his skull rolling toward me and coming to rest at my feet. It looked just like all the others that surrounded me. Another one in the millions. And just like all of them, it too watched me. I don't know how much time passed before I was found. All I remember was the screaming fury of Mr. Levine and the calming voice of Miss Klein. They asked me where Trevor was, and all I could do was point to the skull on the ground. I felt its eyes on me even as I was dragged from the catacombs and into the sun outside. It did nothing for the darkness that had taken root in my heart. All that anyone could get from me for a while were the ramblings of a madman. I tried to tell them what happened to Trevor, but of course they didn't believe me. I had taken a nasty hit to my head when I had fallen, and it was assumed that I had been delusional. A search party was dispatched into the catacombs to look for Trevor. I knew that they wouldn't find him. I knew that the catacombs wouldn't let them. They didn't even find his skull when they went back to the spot where I had been found. It belonged to the catacombs now. I wasn't there when they told Trevor's parents that he was missing. I wasn't there when they called off the search. I didn't see how they wept. I wouldn't have been able to handle it if I had been. I tried to go back to school, I tried to get back some semblance of normalcy, but the eyes of my fellow classmates followed me just as the skulls of the catacombs had. When we finally graduated, I felt no sense of accomplishment, all I felt was hollow. All I could wonder was why Trevor had been so foolish. My doctors told me that writing this down would help. They told me that putting it on paper would help me realize how crazy it all sounded. That maybe if I could find my way past what my mind was telling me, I would be able to tell them the truth of what happened. But this is the truth. This is what happened. Putting it on paper has only made me more certain of that fact. I know what I saw and heard and felt down there in the catacombs. No doubt I'll be put on more meds. That's all my life is now. Doctors and meds. They hope I'll have a breakthrough, that I can tell them what really happened so they can find Trevor's body and his parents can have some kind of closure. But this is the truth of it. This is the price that he paid. And every single day is a reminder of it. I still see Trevor sometimes, in the shadows of a dark corner or a glance in the mirror or the corner of my eye. He looks almost the same as before I had lost him down there. He still smiles at me, that foolish, joking grin. But his eyes, his eyes remain dark, empty caverns. I know it for what it is, a message, a reminder. They want me to know that they are still watching, even now. They want me to never forget the price of foolishness.
2: No peace, no slump rest. Redwood Bureau has been running tours through the catacombs for decades after the discovery they were one single living thing. It cannot be called an organism. It does not contain living flesh or organs of any sort. However, it does behave as something with a goal in mind. Growth. In order to research further effects of the catacombs, Redwood launched tours within them. These tours were deliberately advertised to people with tendencies to frequently lose focus, lose direction, and those who had bad or worsening memory. As such, many of these poor souls simply wanting to know about the fascinating catacombs would often become lost and absorbed by 0024. That is what the phenomenon known as catacombs does. Victims who find themselves lost in the catacombs soon disappear from physical existence, either partially or entirely. Researchers in various years noted that some victims' bones were found, never any flesh or organ tissue though. Testimony from survivors and hidden cameras revealed other traits of 0024, such as the ability to create hallucinations to lure victims closer to the center of the catacombs, which seem to be the absorbing grounds. Other abilities include hyper-aging individuals caught in the absorbing process, while also being able to reverse that aging. Victims of 0024 seemed to become puppets locked within its perimeter, summoned at will to serve its malevolent purposes. In 1988, scientists with the Bureau witnessed it reverse the aging on seemingly random skeletal remains, until there stood an entire person, skin, muscle, and bone from top to bottom, which proceeded to attack and drag a researcher into the inner chambers of the entity. Both the researcher and the resurrected individual were never seen nor recovered. As I said before, catacombs is growing. In the last 40 years, 0024 has increased in area by one kilometer. According to Redwood Bureau's research, in that same time frame, 0024 has absorbed over 2,500 people. Worst of all, it seems catacombs is also moving closer to the surface.
1: Report 002 for deactivated. I'm Josh Tomar, host of Redwood Bureau. Thank you for listening. Redwood Bureau is a horror fiction podcast and part of the Eerie Cast Podcast Network. For more dreadful terrors, follow Redwood Bureau on Spotify and iTunes, and check out our other podcasts like Unexplained Encounters and Freaky Folklore on your favorite podcast platform. You can find me on Twitter and Twitch under username Tomamoto, T-O-M-A-M-O-T-O, and my voiceover is featured in a wide variety of your favorite video games, anime, and other animated shows. Until next time, don't forget, this world is a strange one.